Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette Features Podcast. I'm Laura Hightower, a features writer here at the paper, and I'm lucky enough to be joined by three folks who are working on Theater Squared's new production of The Royale. Um, so I'm going to have you guys introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about what you're doing with the production. I'm going to start with Kim. My name is Kim Powers. I'm the set designer. My name is Troy D. Wallace, and I am playing Fish in the production. I am Natasha Devon, and I'm playing Nina. Thank you guys so much for being here. I really appreciate you taking time. You have done you've two two productions under your belt at this point. Is that right? Yes. And tonight yeah. is the big shebang, the big formal opening. Yeah. So this is a really busy time, and I can't tell you how much I appreciate you taking the time out to come and talk to us. Today. No, thank you for having yes. us. Uh, so I saw a little bit of rehearsal last week, a week and a half ago, I think, and I, I read the play, um, written by Marco Ramirez, uh, and I wrote down a quote. Oh, the New York Times says, uh, Ramirez boldly takes on and reorients a familiar genre and a familiar tale. And there's a, a lot that I want to say about this play. I thought that, um after I had finished reading it, the way the info comes out, the way that we as an audience sort of make these slow discoveries about who these people are, um, it's just so well-crafted and beautiful and poetic almost. Uh, yes. But I'm really wary. It's not that this show has any major twists per se, but there's a lot of this show that I think an audience needs to come new to, and I'm wary of giving spoilers. So I'm going to put it on you guys to tell <laughs> us a little bit about the show and what it's about, and that way I don't make any silly mistakes. Yeah. So, well, Troy? the show's it's about trailblazers, um, and I feel like connecting it to where we are right now is very important because there's still so many trailblazers, and we're seeing trailblazers for different groups of people coming forth in order to give people the people behind them the people that are coming up still that don't have their voice fully spoken um a chance to say oh i can be like that person and even some of the lines in the show directly say that um to quote it's for the people who don't look past the front page so to compare it to today it's for the people who are scrolling down their feeds and they just see that image of that person that looks exactly like them yeah, for me, it's a lot of um, representation and lack thereof and what is a person willing to do to be that face and or create that representation for their specific community. Um, as you stated, the script, which is one of the things I love about it the most, because I am a poet, is it's extremely poetic within the way it's written and you'll see something happening, but the narration of it is it's this metaphor for something that's a second layer if you pay close enough attention to it and if you um, watch it in such a way. The play, um, we all know it's about the famous boxer, Jack Johnson. Um, his name is just in this particular place. They take so much of his life and put it into this play. So. The main character is not Jack Johnson, but it's a lot of his story. Um, so I don't want anyone coming thinking, oh, it's exactly Jack Johnson's story. It's, it's not, but so much of it is. And to me, what Marco did that was brilliant was he took 
all the elements that you needed to know about him and about this one specific moment in this one fight and put it in front of you in such a way to where I know a lot of Jack Johnson's personal life from just our research and our table talks. Um, but a lot of the information that wasn't in the play, I felt like I didn't need it because it wasn't important and it wasn't the message of what he was going for. Okay. Well, uh, I think in, in adding to that, Jack Johnson was, <clears throat> uh, he was an interesting kind of guy because he, because he was a trailblazer, because he was, I, mean, this, I think this play looks at perhaps, and this is of course, is fictionalized, but perhaps what was going through his head. Because you know no group is a monolith, and he is an individual, and he had to make choices. And what does that mean to when he have to have those questions? And those questions are really presented for the audience. For um, and he's kind of wrestling with those questions of um, what does it mean if I do if I choose A or B, and sort of how that plays is is the crux of the story, which is I think very fascinating to watch. Yeah, it's. Um... I said, I wrote the article about it. It'll be published on Sunday. So that's sort of fresh in my mind. And, and what I said in that article is it's on its face a play about boxing. But it's not. But mm -hmm. it's not. It's not. Once you realize what's being mm -hmm. said. Mm -hmm. So so can you talk a little bit about, well, I, I think you guys have. Troy, you specifically mentioned something that I was going to bring up. Um I read an interview with Marco, and he said many of the people in this country still struggle when cultural icons make declarations that seem too political for the mm -hmm. personas they've created as artists or yes. athletes. And and when I talked to your uh, your director, um, Dexter, um, he said, you know, we see so many things in the play that show us how far we've come, but also how far we haven't come from mm. some of these Absolutely. issues. Absolutely. If you look back, was it maybe two years ago, um, LeBron James was told to shut up and dribble a ball. Mm -hmm. um, Kaepernick is told not to kneel. Um, and is still blacklisted. Yeah, and so when you look at the sacrifices that those men make for their community, what is the ending result for everyone else? And I think this play is showing, yes, you're in a position to make a decision and you have that platform to do so, but understand that the results may not be what you want it to be. Do you still make that decision? Yeah, it's a really compelling question um, and, and, and told in a really compelling way. Um, let's talk a little bit about, so it is based in history. And, and Marco has said that he, he didn't want it to be a, a, a direct biography of Jack mm -hmm. Johnson so that he could take sort of poetic license with the story but it is very it hews very closely to the mm -hmm. actual story of, mm -hmm. of um, when Jack Johnson fought James Jeffries I don't know why everyone has to have names that start with a J and it's <laughs> very hard to keep track of but so you guys I know did a lot of research in preparation um, and um, you, you strike me as people who are probably very well versed, versed in history to begin with but was there anything that you learned or discovered on your research that surprised you or, or took you by surprise or took you aback? I enjoyed boxing more than I expected. Did you? <laughs> I did too. I, did, I didn't understand how really how psychological it was how yes. much went into mm -hmm. strategy um, uh, and 
toying with the opponent in a way that uh, I sort of, I respect the art, the, that as an art form in a way a little more than I did before I started the research. And Absolutely. Jack Johnson himself, um, just as he's, as a figure, is just so fascinating. Highly recommend Ken Burns' Unforgivable Blackness for the it record. It is the best documentary. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, I watched that as well. Yeah, yeah and he was... For our country, especially, like, one of the first mega celebrities. And so bringing that back to the play, it kind of goes back to what Kim was saying about how his mentality is playing out through all that and, like, how he's juggling these questions. He's like, no one's ever done this before. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do it my way. We'll see what happens. Um, I think it's, to me, his biggest question to himself is why not, though? Mm Mm-hmm. People mm-hmm. had, why but why me? not? Why why can't we? Mm-hmm. Why can't mm-hmm. I, as an African American male, be the face of boxing? Why can't I be a celebrity? Why do I have to um, diminish myself so that others mm-hmm. are comfortable? And I think that fueled a lot of his actions and fueled a lot of um, what people would say he would box and he would be in the ring and. People would throw racial slurs at him and be just really mean. And in the documentary, it spoke on how he would just smile and keep fighting. He would just smile and keep his head in the ring. Um, And I think that spoke a lot to his character. I think when you look at some of his um, things he did, it's easy to say he was arrogant or um, cocky or take a negative tone on what he was doing but I think he had a bigger picture that we just didn't understand at the time yes when you consider it in context Mm -hmm. what was going on all around him for sure Mm -hmm. you guys talked a little bit at the um, talk back after your open rehearsal about um, okay so the show uh, the show has a very unique and artistic way of um, of representing the fights that happen. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't want to say much about that because I think it's something that should sort of take the audience by surprise. But nonetheless, even though you're not technically uh, boxing as we see boxing on television, on stage, you guys went and had some lessons. Yes. Yes. Um, And his name is Kevin Light. Is that right? Kevin Lightburn at Straight Line? Am I getting this right? Mm -hmm. Straight Line? And and, uh, he sounds like he's amazing, first of all. He's absolutely amazing. Can Mm -hmm. you talk a little bit about what that was like? Had had you boxed before? I know Natasha said No, I had been a fan of boxing growing up. Like, um, I watched a lot of the Tyson fights on replay, as well as Ali. I had a little Ali jean jacket. But no, I have never uh, boxed personally. Um, Just with my schedule, I couldn't do a lot of sports growing up. So what was that like, that sort of learning the basics? I will say that for me, though, um, because of my training um, in musical theater, I was able to pick up a lot of the movements very quickly um, because it is a lot of strategy. It's a lot of knowing how to move quickly and be in a spot and then get back to the spot you were just in and then go to a different spot. Um, On the defensive side and then on the offensive side, that first punch dictates the rest of the fight um, or at least the rest of the round and so you want to make sure that yes you're throwing this one punch but the rest of your sequences of punches need to already be in your head and so that you can get the other boxer to follow along with you like you are dancing 
Uh, that's interesting to equate it to your musical theater training, but it, uh, Natasha, what did you what did you get out of it? I'm amazing at boxing. <laughs> <laughs> you, you wouldn't have known it if so it so amazing. Been. <laughs> Her nickname is Slugger. <laughs> so uh, what I found in boxing, because I'm a very heady person, mm-hmm. is that it's more of a mental than a physical sport. And I think we can see it in the ring and these people are physically throwing these punches and, and hitting each other. But it's really all in your head of, okay, if I fake this way and do this move, he's going to come this way. That means that opens and I strike, you know, to his right. And it's it's and for me, that is so much fun to see um, you're open there. So I could attack you, right? <laughs> and the coach is like, yes, but calm down. <laughs> so I, I found that to be really interesting and I found myself I haven't watched any like matches yet but I've like gone back and watched boxing movies like I went and watched Creed 1 and Creed 2 (laughs) and now I'm like oh he's doing that thing and I know what that is (laughs) so that was exciting yeah I thought that was really interesting listening to you guys talk about it the other day because it had never I think we just think of boxing as this brutal yeah it's just nothing more than people pounding on each other but there is so much strategy and so much you know mm-hmm. so much goes into plotting your next move and everything and i don't think we really give those athletes enough credit sometimes yeah so it's really interesting hearing you talk and kevin about that. he he emphasizes the most on like it's mental if you don't if you can't think your next seven moves out don't make one yeah mm-hmm. and that is so interesting and when you see mm-hmm. kevin Kevin's this big guy, but he moves like a feather. It's like he moves 17 times before you blink, and you're like, oh, my God, I don't even know how you just attacked, but I don't want to fight you. (laughs) I don't want to fight you. Um, Kim, I wanted to ask you about the set, which I think is beautiful, just lovely. uh, But I I did read in the script that it could be as minimalistic as a heavy bag, some stools, and some chalk dust, and that's it. Mm -hmm. So you went, it's uh, still a very simple, streamlined set, but you went Mm -hmm. a little bit less minimal than that. Can you talk a little bit about the concept? Well, every every scenery design sort of has to fit the space, and this space has a lot, and it's, it's a new space to me, too, uh, so it has a lot of height, and it can be very wide. The goal, because there's just not that many people in the show, um, is to bring it in, and to also, I, it was more about, and I think in, in, in the spirit of what uh, Ms. Ramirez tried to do, is get, get some sense of oppression, some, uh, like, like compression, rather, on all sides for our our hero of our story in, in many ways. So I'm trying so trying to evoke a feeling of a, a ceiling yeah. and also to also isolate the ring so that there are other space there's the ring that's an island and then there are other spaces around the ring. So to allow for those kind of spaces for things to happen simultaneously was really important to the storytelling. And the vertical planes were uh, intended to evoke some of the architecture in the big fight. So I went back and looked at a lot of that architecture from the sands that were put up so quickly because also the fight had to be moved, uh, changed location to, uh, so that we, they ended up putting it up very quickly so it was very utilitarian. Yeah. And I sort of wanted to keep it very clean so that we always, that the space was worn, it felt used, it was in a place, in a strange way, a, a sort of safe, comfortable space um, for Jay, but that he has, again, very important and big decisions to make within that space. Yeah. And so that, and it also had to be very, um, 
mutable. So we had to be able to take the, the ropes was more important to Dexter and I to be able to make it change quickly um, than it was for it to be perfect, right? <laughs> like yeah. exactly period or correct. So keeping the ropes movable and just hooking on and making it a simple, tra- using simple transitions um, was important. And I guess lastly, that it wanted to really reflect the audience, um, both in terms of shape and then later in the show, we wanted to, I mean, if we got to choose, we'd put this in an arena style. Mm -hmm. That was our first, that was the first directive, but um, Joanna Bell might have had my head for that. So (laughs) we decided to find a way to to bring the audience in so that they felt not only a part of the storytelling in the sense of a boxing ring, but then what does that mean now? And so it was. it's a very clear choice when they quite literally see themselves reflected in the, um, in the scenery to, yeah. uh, to maybe ask some questions of themselves and how they yeah. relate to the story. I was going to ask you about the mirrors. That's brilliant. That's really, yeah. yeah, that's amazing. And the banners are gorgeous and give us a real sense of what's being said you know the context i kind of looked at it as a hype wall in a way yes (laughs) you know like where you know this the media in in many ways plays a huge role in this in the making of the man so how do we and this and that the graphics reflect not only jack johnson but other african-american boxers that were prominent at that time um, whose names of which of course escape me at this particular moment (laughs) but they were uh yeah so it was it was important to make that authentic and real and feel present in this particular time and space. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's a beautiful set. Thank you. Um, so I am going to go ahead and close, but I, I do want to say that I saw probably only about a half hour, 40 minutes total of, of a rehearsal, and that was a week and a half ago. Um, but I think um, my message would be that this is going to be an amazing show with a lot of important things to say. And I hope uh, and I know that you will get a huge audience for it. Um, so break a leg tonight, you guys. Thank you. Good night for Thank all you. of you. And the show runs now through uh, February 26th. The 16th. 16th. I've got it written down right here. I still got it wrong. February 16th, and it's Wednesday through Saturdays at 7.30, and Saturday and Sundays at 2. And I always like to mention that Theater Squared goes uh, to a lot of trouble of um, uh, making sure that as many people as possible have access to the theater through their Lights Up program, which gives free or discounted tickets to families who qualify for federal SNAP benefits, to nonprofit organizations serving low-income community members, and uh, they also have the 30 under 30 um, tickets, which are $10 tickets. A certain portion of the audience are sold um, for for the younger generation to hopefully get as many people as possible involved uh, in seeing the theater. Thank you guys so much for being with us today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having us. Like a leg.